0: Okay, so to this morning I want to finish up uh, the series on heaven, Destination Heaven. I wasn't going to. I got this whole other leading, but I got in an argument with the Holy Spirit. He always pretends like we're having an argument, you know, and he, he kind of leads me along, and I let him win. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go ahead and finish this series this morning because I think it is his intention, so we're going to let him do his work and have his church rather than my work and my church. So I want to I finish up this series. We've been talking about heaven and my reason for spending the last few weeks looking into the Bible talk about heaven is because that's where we're going and we're going to be there forever. So it's good that we just take a little time to think about it, process it, get ready for it, understand it to the degree that the Bible reveals it to us. and get. Uh, is this making sense? Okay, so it's what we've been doing over the last few weeks. And the first week, I try to answer the question, is there really a heaven? I mean, seriously, come on, Tom. We're, we're smart people here. We're logical people. We're, we live in the age of enlightenment. We know. And I'm here to tell you by the authority of Jesus Christ, there is a heaven after this. That Jesus himself said, in my Father's house are many mansions. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I get it that that question is so important to you. There is a heaven after this. That this isn't all there is. There's more And it's eternally more. And not only did Jesus say it, but the Apostle Paul affirmed it, the Apostle John affirmed it, the Apostle Peter affirmed it, that there is a heaven after this. Come on, let alone the countless stories you hear about people with these near-death experiences. I don't know what to make of all of them either. But isn't it interesting that they tend to be so consistent? That these people who have these I don't know when you're dead and when you're not dead. I'm not a scientist, but they have these, you're clinically dead, bam, you're alive, and they came back and said, you're not going to believe it. How many of you know some of those stories? They're pretty wild, aren't they? Plus, you know in your heart there's a heaven. You know it. You know it. Not just because you want there to be, but because you know there is. You know there's something after this. And there's no amount of logic applied to it that's even necessary because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. That's God rolling around in your heart saying, there's more. Yes, there is. Second question, second week, was what will heaven be like? And, And you know, substantially, the feature of heaven that I love the most is that there won't be anything between us and God. And you know how we have these remarkable experiences with God and the presence and power of His Holy Spirit but we still kind of feel like we're reaching through something. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You still feel like you're sort of pressing in, and there's still like this muddy sort of semi-osmotic membrane between you and God, kind of just, you're not getting all the way in. Well, I revel in those experiences with God as you do, but the cool thing about heaven, there's nothing between you and God, that the dwellings of God and man merge together in one. You're not going to have to go find him. You're not going to have to come together and have an experience with him and then kind of go wind down during the week and come back. It's going to be constant God. And the other thing that I love is that what will heaven be like? The Bible says heaven will be perpetually new. It will always be new. So your, 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 your moment you're having right now will be your first moment. How long have you been here? I, don't, I just got here. Me too. The Bible says, Behold, I make How can you get bored? People worry about I don't want to go to heaven. I I, I get bored doing the same thing over and over. You won't know. It'll be perpetually new. What will we have in heaven? Am I gonna have the mansion over the hilltop? We're gonna have the cool sports cars or whatever. The Bible says we'll have God. We'll have Him. Now answer me this question. I know you spend a lot of your life trying to go find things to make you happy and sort of satisfy that crazy thing inside of you. But let me ask you this. When you come into the company of God, when you have one of those times when you're with others or you're alone and you're just in the presence of God, isn't it true that none of that stuff matters? It's like, forget that. Forget that. And the reason is, is because even what we're seeking after out there comes from our desire for God. And when we have God, then the other stuff doesn't matter. How many of you, like me, have come off of encounters with God going, you know, all this stuff I've got, it's kind of getting in the way. Let's get rid of some of this stuff. Let's, dial, let's scale down. So in heaven, what are you going to have? You're going to have Him. That means you'll have everything. Well, today I'd like to... To wind up the series by saying, "What will our bodies be like in heaven?" People say, "What kind of body are we going to have in heaven?" And I don't usually take my shirt off for photograph, but I thought maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm basically a shy person. But people say, "Well, you know, what kind of body am I going to have in heaven? Am I going to be like super ripped or what? You know." Some of you are going. How long are they going to leave that up? There? <laughs> Some of you ladies, stop looking at me. i like, I'm taken. <laughs> There's a lot of speculation about what our bodies are going to be like in heaven. What if we said, let's not speculate, let's go to the Bible thing and see what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 15, please change the slide quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about heaven. Oh boy, somebody can't get over that one. Some of you are like, get the kids, honey, this is not the church we're looking for. I understand, I understand. It's Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about heaven and the body. And in 35, he says, But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? And then he says, how foolish. It sort of first bothered me when he said, how foolish. It's like, fool, you know? How foolish. And I, but then as I was just meditating and pondering in the presence of the Lord this week, studying it, it was like, it is foolish. Like if we're in the presence of God... Who's going to care? So, But then he indulges us with an answer. He says, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. He says, when you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just catch this. This is important to hang on to for a while. But just as a seed, perhaps a, of weed or something, of something else, but, what, but, God, but God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. So he starts to answer the question, what kind of body will we have? He starts to answer it, and I think what I'd like to do, just for the next few minutes, is say, I've looked, you know, in the Bible, and here are my top three answers to your question, what will our bodies be like in heaven? Number one, your body will be perpetually new. We'll go back to that Revelation 21 5 that we visited earlier in the series. He who is seated on the throne, who's that? That's the Lord. He who was seated on the throne, God is saying, I am making everything new. And then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I'm making everything new. Now, do you suppose that includes our bodies? Yeah. And I told you before. That as we, as we visited this verse before, that the verb tense in the Greek for this word, I'm making things new, that's a perpetual, that's a form of the word that just keeps repeating over and over. It's not that God makes things new once and says, there you go, Nina, I'm going to give you a fresh start. But it's like, I'm going to make you new, 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 new. Remember that second you just had? It's over. Now you're new again. Perpetually new bodies. I'm totally digging this because what I'm discovering at age 57... Is that the problems I have with my body can all be associated with the declining age? Things are wearing out. <laughs> Mile eight of that race last week. Kablam! Son of a motherless goat. That's just that's 57 year old who probably shouldn't be running as far as they do. Right? In heaven, new, new, new. Some people say, Well, what age are we gonna be? I don't know. You're gonna be new. You're going to be new. Second thing the Bible says about your bodies is that it will be spectac- spectacular, but spectacular beyond our present imagination. Your, your body's going to be spectacular, but beyond what you can even begin to imagine. So we'll go back to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, and as we move down that passage a little bit in verse 42, he says, So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So he's making this comparison between everything that we know about our bodies now is going to be put in the ground, and as we read early, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot become what it's meant to be. And so what we have now is nothing in comparison to what we have. And it's going to be so much different that we can't even begin to imagine it. And so he says, it's sown in weakness, it's going to be raised in power. It's sown in dishonor, you're going to be raised in glory. And all these things, our bodies are going to be so spectacularly different than what we can imagine now that we don't even have the capacity to figure it out. Because he compares it earlier in the passage, doesn't he, to a seed and the tree. And so he says, you know, if you're, if you're just an apple seed, you have no idea of what you can become until you are put in the ground and buried, and then God does his work, and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is raised up into the tree. And so the difference between the bodies that we have now and the bodies that we will have in heaven are going to be, is the difference between an apple seed and an apple tree. You getting this? And so what we're trying to do often when we try to think about the bodies that we're going to have forever in heaven is we're trying to think of the best possible version of the seed, right? Right? and I'm going to be all ripped, and I'm not going to have a sore heel and all this stuff. I'm going to... And all that is is trying to think of our best possible version of the seed. But if the seed could think, if an apple seed could think, it would have no concept of its power to become a full tree until it died. And the difference between an apple seed and an apple tree is pretty big. And this is what the, how the Bible compares your present body to your heavenly body. That's pretty cool. It's pretty spectacular. And so we really are limited even in the, our capacity to, to begin to understand how it is that we'll be in heaven, body-wise. But it'll be new, perpetually new, and it's going to be great. be spectacular. Third, I think the Bible teaches us that we are going to be differently recognizable. We're going to be able to recognize one another, although we're not going to look anything like what we look like now, because now we're just seeds, You're just looking at an ugly old seed up here now, right? So don't be looking for this, because this is going to die. And Paul said, he said, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So don't be looking for this. So we're going to be different, but we're going to be recognizable. How do I get that, you ask? Go ahead. Well, let's let's start with Revelation 7, 9. Okay, so John is being shown this great image of heaven. He says, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From catch this, every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Now he said he saw people. Something that he recognized as people, as groups of people, and they were from every what? Every nation, They were from every tribe, every people. So as he looked at them, he could see that they still had the distinctive qualities of nationality, perhaps, of ethnicity, perhaps. But there was something about them, even in their heavenly state, that he could recognize that. And that just speaks volumes to me. That in God's grand love for diversity and creativity, that that our ethnicity and our nationality as such is an important part of his creation, is an important part of who we are. And that it stays with us somehow, in some respect, so that that part is recognizable. If John could see them and see the differences, then that was important. But let's go back to last week's message when we looked at heaven. And Revelation told us that in heaven there will be tree of life lining the river of life, and that the, the leaves of the tree were for what? The healing of the nations. The healing of the nations. So that what will happen is because of the presence of this in heaven, all the animosity, all the hatred between nations will dissolve, will be healed by God. There won't be any distinction between us because of nationality, ethnicity. All that will be gone, and we will embrace each other fully, thank God, as equal brothers and sisters in Christ. All of that will be healed by God. But he still did say it was noticeable that there was something wonderfully remarkable about this vision. So there's that concept that you could say, well, then we're retaining some of what we got here, even when we go on. I know. I feel like Steve Martin and the jerk. You mean I'm going to stay this color? I know. I have to see the jerk. Okay. There's There's another passage that I want you to see that I think speaks more to this than even that one, and it's in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. This is the account account of, uh, of Mary Magdalene encountering the risen Jesus. So Jesus died for our sins. He rose from the dead. And he's out walking around just being Jesus, right? Just freaking everybody out. And so this is right very early in the beginning of the whole thing. And in John chapter 20, verse 14, it says, at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Huh, this is Mary Magdalene. This is the one who had been with him all this time, who knew everything about him, but she didn't recognize him. Why didn't she recognize him? Well, because he was in his resurrected state, and he didn't look the same. He was different. And Jesus says, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? I love this next line. Thinking he was the gardener. (laughs) she She missed the resurrected son of God. Thought he was the gardener. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, meaning his body, tell me where you have put him, and I'll get him. Catch this. Jesus said to her, Mary. Just said her name. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic. Rabbi, which means teacher. It would have been Lord. It would have been OMG. It's Jesus. <laughs> 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 and it was the utterance of her name that caused her to recognize him for who he truly was. He looked different, but he was fully recognizable when he said, Michael. Changes everything, doesn't it? When you hear the Lord say your name, it changes, and, and nothing else sounds like that. So we're going to be bumping around heaven, you know, come up on Bill, and I don't know if that's Bill or not. He's a tree now, not a seed anymore. <laughs> but as soon as he says, Tom, Bill, and the fellowship that we have now will be exponentially magnified in heaven. Because there won't be any of this earthly stuff to worry about. Can't wait. That's about all i got to say about that. (laughs) Smooth landing, huh? It's crazy to think that there's a heaven. But there is. I think it's crazy to think that our bodies are made up of these little subatomic particles that are all flying around each other. But they are. And just because I can't see them doesn't mean it's not true. There's heaven after this. This isn't all there is. I've told you about everything I can tell you about it from that perspective. There are people who know lots more. So if you're still interested, keep listening. But I think the question that hangs over us is not, is there heaven? What's it going to be like? Etc. The question that hangs over us is, are you ready for heaven? Are you sure that you are living an authentic, dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you, rose from the dead, ascended to the Father, and has sent you his Spirit? Are you sure? You are living fully authentically in relationship with the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because I've read this Bible from cover to cover, and I know this. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And the only thing that makes the difference between the two is having an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter what Bible you carry. It doesn't matter how many you have. It doesn't matter if you tithe It doesn't matter what you do in that larger respect because what matters is do you know Jesus? Are you living authentically, powerfully with Jesus Christ in your life? And you know if you are and you know if you're not. And nobody can look at you and say, you're not doing it right. If they do, they're not doing it right. That's you and God. But you know, and that's a question only you can answer. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in. I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And that's an experience. That's a relationship. That's not a, yeah, I did that once. I checked the card. Yeah, I was at a revival. So I was at a crusade. Yeah, I, I, the tall bald guy said. It. It, it was. It's not that. It's not did you. It's are you. I don't want to minimize the fact that we must be born again. We must be born again. We must come to that place of initiating relationship with Jesus by responding to Him in faith. But that's not the end of it. That's the beginning of it. So are you in company with Jesus in this way? And you know if you are, if you are, don't let any preacher ever talk you out of it, make you doubt it. If you are, you are. Stand on it with assurance. But if you don't know then you don't know. Isaiah said, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he'll have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. He said, seek the Lord while he may be found. And some of you right now, I feel certain, are having a stirring inside of you. And it's an odd stirring, perhaps. It's God. God. That's God inviting, knocking at the door. And the Bible says, Seek the Lord while he may be found, indicating that there may come a time when that stirring does not continue. You're having the stirring now. I recommend you respond to that stirring. Come into relationship with Jesus. I want you all to go to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I know. I'm going to heaven. I am going to heaven not because of me and I'm going to heaven in spite of me I'm going in heaven because I'm going to heaven because of Jesus Christ. let's pray Lord, I pray Father for the stirring that's in every heart now. you know if you're a person today and you are getting that stirring and go i want to I want to take that step I want to move in a relationship with Jesus. Here's the kind of a prayer I would pray. I would pray, uh, God, I want to do that I, I want. To know you, I want to have you in my life. I want to experience the dynamic presence of Jesus Christ living inside of me. And that you can come in to feel free to change whatever you want to change. But I, I can't do it myself. I've demonstrated I'm not good at fixing myself or even being a very good person. But you could come into my life, and you can change anything you want. But I'm depending on you to come in now. Forgive me of my sins by the blood that you shed on that cross. Come into my life. Dwell in me. Cover my sins now, tomorrow. Cover them. And come and take residence in me as Savior and Lord of my life. Lord, together we pray, all of us, we pray, we're longing for heaven. I mean, we are enjoying this. Life's good. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for this. But we don't fear our death, Lord. We don't fear the day when our heart will beat for its last time, knowing that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, Father, we long for that day when all of this will be past and we will be in your presence forever and ever and ever and enjoy a kind of fellowship one with another that we can only taste and dabble in here. And as good as it is to be brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, we know that that's just a, a crumb from the table of fellowship that you have planned for us in heaven. So we pray, God, that you will come and you will continue to work fully and powerfully in us. Fill us with your Spirit, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Come and fill us from top to bottom. Every part of who we are, just fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill this church with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Come, Lord. Express yourself in kingdom reality here. In the name of Jesus. You know, I told you that I'm all riled up because even this morning I learned of another marriage that failed. This morning I learned. I just just can't take another one, you guys. I mean, I'm pissed. I'm ready to fight this thing. And I need some of you guys to come with me and fight this fight of faith for the health of the church, for the health of God's people. I need some of you people who know how to swing your sword. I need some people who want to learn even what a sword is and how you go about that. I need some people who are up for the battle because I'm not afraid of the devil at all because I always fight behind Jesus. I'm one step behind him. But we need some of you to come around and do this. Because there's nobody nobody that's immune to this attack. And I don't want to use fear. Don't go there. I'm I'm not afraid. I'm concerned. And I want to just see God really be triumphant and victorious in all of our lives. If you're a person today and you'd like to get some prayer today, I know we have some beautiful people who are just ready to pray for you. who are these people? These are, these are people who sit with you. They're people who have real jobs. They're people you know, who are raising kids and not raising kids. And they're, they're people who have given themselves to some training and know how to pray for you. And in just a minute, they're going to be up along the sides over here. And uh, they're going to be available. And you're going to come up to them, and they're going to ask you one question. They're going to say, what are we praying about? You're going to tell them, and they're going to believe, and the Holy Spirit's going to come and move in your life. So if your life is spinning out of control, then it would be great to come. If you're something big or small, you know, it could be something physical, you need healing, it could be relational, it could be mental, psychological, it could be financial, whatever it is that you need, come and get some agreement. Go have some prayer ministry people, come on up right now. Just bring up there and make yourselves available. Show these people that you're ready to go, that you're ready to pray. Okay? So as we worship, if you're getting a stirring to come and get prayer, come on up to these people. And let's just see what God wants to do, okay? Church, let's stand together and worship the Lord.